Good morning, everyone. Would you uh, look over at somebody next to you that's decidedly better looking than you and say, God is good. Look at that. We had four people say that. So, well, I know that you guys are a, a good looking group. Uh, before I forget, before I uh, go on any farther, I want to let you know October 7th, we will have a going home celebration for Judy Retallick. It will be here at, in the uh, chapel at 10 o'clock. So uh, that's two weeks or a week from this coming Saturday. So, uh, good, faithful family. Um, their son, Todd, helped build our, our sound booth down here. And uh, so good family, so make sure that you uh, remember to be there. God's good, isn't he? Now, we've been on the topic of who is Jesus. And I want to talk to you today about that, and I want to talk to you about the church. I want to ask a question. Why are you here today? You say, well, that's a great question. I, I don't know. I'll have to go to the other room to remember why I'm here. Um, sometimes that happens to us. But why do we go to church? Have you ever thought about it? Why do we do what we do? Why do we hold services in a format that we consider normal? Why do we do it? Uh, we changed up the program today a little bit. We had three songs and then announcement and then one song instead of two and two. But why do we sing? Why do we have programs? Why is there children's ministry going on right now? Why is there a nursery right now? Why do we do what we do? Why do we pray? Why do we preach? What is meant by the term church. I know a lot of times that we kind of get into the habit of thinking that church is a building and we say, oh, hey, let's go to the church or, or I'll meet you at the church. You ever do that? You say, hey, why don't we just meet at the church? And, and yet we focus on an address and a location and a physical property. And yet church buildings weren't even a priority until Constantine made Christianity official with the Edict of Milan in 313 A.D. Before then, churches just met in homes. They met in wherever they could. And for generations to follow, after 313, churches were multifunctional buildings that would house the, 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 the city's grain and a variety of other events took place it wasn't a building designed strictly solely to meet together for God many of us think going to church as a time to either refresh our spirit we want to come in and receive something from God we sing and worship to God in song because we want to release our praise in song Sometimes we, it's here because we want to meet our friends or, or perhaps we want to get involved in the community or we want to get involved in the life of a church. Perhaps you're here to listen to the instruction of God's Word. But the reasons for coming and gathering together are numerous. 
what's the purpose of church? Have you ever asked yourself, why do you do what you do? Is church a social club? Certainly there are aspects of, of social life and an engagement. I believe social life is important. Is church here to help the community? Are we just another nonprofit agency to help the underprivileged in our community? What is church? The question still begs an answer. Is it a building? Is it a gathering? Is it a community? Or is church something far more than what we have made it? I think to answer these questions, we, we must first look at Scripture. We've been looking at the topic of who is Jesus, and to correctly answer what the church is, we have to include Christ. Paul, writing to the church in, in Colossae, says this in Colossians 1, 15. If you, he says, the Son, speaking of Christ, is the image of the invisible God. If you want to see the invisible God, look at Jesus. If you want to see how the invisible God reacts with humanity, look at Jesus. If you want to see the characteristics of God, look at Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, Christ, all things were created. Things in heaven, things on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Let's go on. He is before all things. That simply means he's above and beyond the ruler of all things. And in him, all things hold together. Isn't that amazing that in Christ, everything that we know of life is held together in him? That the galaxies and the universe and this world and the laws of this world, the natural laws of this world, everything is held together in him. And he is the head of the body, the church. What is the church? According to Paul... The church, by definition, is the body of Christ. Believers that have been born again through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is a physical presence of Christ in the earth. If you really want to know, Paul identifies the body in his writing to the church in Corinth as a figure of the human body with all of its members working together. We are the figurative, physical representation of Christ on this earth. I, I have gone to various countries, and I have seen all of the cathedrals. I, I had the privilege of being in Notre Dame before it, before it, it was destroyed or hurt under fire. 
and was able to go to a, an Easter service and hear the choir and, and hear the, the organ, and it was just amazing. But Christ doesn't necessarily reside in Notre Dame, nor does he reside in this building or any other building. The church is you and I. The church is the body of Christ. Have you ever considered the fact that wherever you go, you carry the Spirit of God with you? 1 Corinthians 6.19 declares that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Paul, talking to the church in Corinth in, in 1 Corinthians 6.19, says, don't you know that, that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? And I've mentioned this before, but that word temple, he's refer referencing the holiest of holies, the place where the Spirit of God dwelt in the temple. Because you had the outer court, you had the inner court, and when you walked into the holy place, you had the, you had the candlestick on your left, and you, had, and you had the table of bread on your right, and right before you was an altar and incense. And beyond that altar of incense was where the high priest went, and that's where the Ark of the Covenant was. That's where the very presence of God dwelled, and the high priest could go in one time a year. And Paul says, don't you know that you are the holiest of holies? That you, the body of Christ, is the physical representation of Christ in the earth today. There is no greater force in this world than the church because we are the physical representation of Christ in the world today. We are not a building. We are not a social club. We are not a community group. We are the body of Christ. We are the born-again believers. We are the children of the living God. And the Bible says that Christ is the head of the church. Now, I know that what you think is what you do. If I move my hand out here, it's because my brain told me to move my hand out here, and I did it. See, the head directs the body. If the head is not directing the body, then there's something wrong with the body. Sometimes we have a disease or we'll have some kind of issue in our life that the body does not function the way we want it to function. But Paul is using the analogy of a, of a body that is controlled by Christ. And just as you tell your body to function, Christ commands us. Wellness is your body doing and acting as the head directs. Each one of us we have a body, and, and there's so many various members of our body, and each and every member of your body has a job to do. And we, have, we have humorously, or, or what I would consider humor, humorously, mentioned that, that sometimes we think that some of, our, of uh, or the parts of our body are not 
as important as others. And we have pointed out that in the middle of the night, if you stub your little toe, you're going to find out how important it really is. Because if your feet hurt, your body doesn't operate. The church functions in wellness when we listen to the head, when we focus on Christ, when all of us, every single one of us, begin to do what Christ has called us to do. We are set in the body as it pleases Christ. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 18. He says, But now God has set the members, every one of them, in the body as it pleased them. It's not as it pleased them, as it pleased Him. Christ has a specific role for each and every one of us. Christ is the one that sets us. Christ's responsibility is to place us in the body because Christ knows what we are able to do and, 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 and what he wants us to accomplish. Our responsibility is to function in the capacity that he has given us. Every one of us have, have a goal. Every one of us have a part in the body of Christ, and Christ has set us there. It's not ours to set where we want. It's ours to do what Christ has called us to do, to be who Christ has called us to be. Not everybody is a pastor. You need to be thankful for that. Not everyone's a teacher. Not everyone has gifts of faith. Not everybody has that capacity to love. Not everybody has the amazing ability to, to walk alongside somebody else with empathy. And yet Christ has called us all to work together as a unit, as a body of believers. And when all of us exercise the, the very nature of Christ in us and we, and we are conformed to his image and we begin to walk in his ways and we begin to utilize what Christ has put in our lives, we become a body of believers that is amazing that the world looks at and says I want that Charles Wooden great basketball coach UCLA was talking to one of his young stars Lou Alcindor which used, that changed his name later to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and here's Jabbar, seven, what, three, seven, four. Here's little Woodson. And Jabbar was talking once and he said, yes, coach told me we were in the locker room and he said, take off your shoes. So he took off his shoes and he says, you're wearing your socks wrong. And he said, coach made me wear my socks a certain way because he knew that if I wore my socks wrong, I was going to affect my toes. And if my toes were affected, then my basketball ability would be affected. So coach understood that every single part of, of the body was vital and important. 
when each of us understand who we are. The body is something that functions in an amazing capacity. That's, it's a beautiful example of love and caring and devotion. It is the body of Christ in a world gone awry. Do you realize that Christ gives each of us spiritual gifts to benefit the body? Spiritual gifts are not for the world. The gifts are not even for us. The gifts that Christ gives us are not designed for anything else other than to bless the body of believers. Whether it's a word of encouragement or a word of faith or whatever it may be, Christ gives us these spiritual gifts to exercise, to, to lift up and to edify and to encourage the body of believers. Look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 3. But everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, for their encouragement, and for their comfort. Every single time that a spiritual gift is used and operated, it should be for three things, to uplift, to edify, and to encourage. Uplift, edify, encourage. Christ gives us these gifts. Christ gives us a life that we can strengthen one another. We can build up one another. We can encourage one another. I, I knew of a pastor. He was a friend of mine. He was going through a very difficult time. But he had the spiritual gift of discernment. He, could un he understood what was going on in people's lives. You say, well, what is discernment? That's... God gives certain people and, and, and you've seen them where they just kind of know what's going on in your life. You don't have to tell them. They just know. How do they know? It's the Holy Spirit that whispers to them. It's a spiritual gift that's inside them. And here's the amazing thing about spiritual gifts. Whether it's discernment or, or organization or whatever it is, it can be used for good or bad. He was going through a very difficult time and, and instead of encouraging and building up, he used it to hurt and harm people. We meet together to build up and to edify one another. Hebrews 10.24 says this. I love Hebrews 10.24. This is what it says. Let us think about how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Do you know we are to sit around and think about ways that we can bless other people? Do you know that one of our goals in life is to sit around and think about how we can improve the lives of those around us? Our role in the body of Christ is, is to inspire others to have outbursts of love toward others and acts of service and generosity. That is our goal, to, to reach out and to encourage people, to strengthen one another. Our thoughts should be on how we can help others be full of love and good deeds. Isn't that amazing? Have you ever thought about your, that your part in the body of Christ is to be an encourager, to, to inspire others? See, the church built on Christ is unstoppable. 
Jesus in Matthew 16 asked his disciples, they said, who do people say I am? And, and Jesus said, well, or the disciples said, well, some are saying you're John the Baptist or Elijah or Elisha or one of the other prophets. And Jesus stopped them and said, who do you say I am? And it was Peter. I love Peter. Peter was always quick to speak. Sometimes he got it right and sometimes he didn't. This time he nailed it. He said, you're the Christ, you're the Son of God. I know who you are. And Jesus said, you're blessed, Peter, because upon this rock, because of the understanding of who I am, I am going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Built on the understanding that Christ is the Messiah, that Christ is the chief cornerstone, that there is no other foundation other than Christ. And the church grows when the body knows their part and lives to build up, to edify, encourage others to do the same. It, we are built on the foundation of Christ. We are built on a solid foundation. And when the body starts functioning as one, as we lift one another up, as we encourage one another, as we bless one another, amazing things begin to happen. Acts 2.47 says this about the church, about the church growing and multiplying in, in the book of Acts. It says, and they were praising God and enjoying favor of all people. And the Lord added to the number daily such as were being saved. You know, the Lord is the one that adds people to the church. But it's the Lord that uses people. God uses people. God uses you. We're the body of Christ. Do you realize from the moment that you said, Lord, forgive me of my sins, from the moment that you became a Christian, from the moment that the Lord pardoned you, from the moment that you received the Holy Spirit, from the moment that you became a Christian, you instantly became an ambassador for Christ? that you are a missionary? You say, well, missionaries go across the ocean. No, they don't. They, some of them do. Every single one of us are called. We're called to be missionaries to our, to our community. We're called to be missionaries to our neighbors. We're called to be missionaries to, to those that are around us, to those that are in the workplace. From the moment you're saved, you're called to be an ambassador of Christ. And it's in those, it's with that understanding that when we begin to walk as one and follow after Christ and you allow the Spirit to transform you. See, it's not about our perfection. It's never been about our perfection. And you say, well, well, church, well Christians should be perfect. I would like to find one. I think sometimes that I have one, then I look in the mirror and realize, no, I don't. So if none of us are perfect, then, then, then what is the perfection? It's Christ in us. It's Christ in us. It's our willingness to decrease that he may increase. And here's the beauty of that. When you allow Christ 
to take the lead. When you allow the head to control the body, that's when he does amazing things. It's always about us listening to him. I'm going to ask our praise team to come back. And you think, wow, that was short. Well, I'm not finished yet. But I am going to ask them to come back. I was um, walking around in here this week. And, uh, anybody, ever, anybody else walk and pray at the same time? See, I, I, I can do that. I, I multitask. I don't chew gum, but I walk and pray. And I was walking around, and you know, and I thought, we need a vacuum. So I went and got a vacuum, and I vacuumed. And, and then, and I think it's my ADD. I thought, oh, the Bibles aren't straight, so I had to straighten them. You know, you, you do that kind of stuff. And I'm, anyway, I'm walking around praying. And over here, you probably can't see it, but there's a crack in the wall. And I thought, I don't like that. But there's a crack. It's about that long. Not real big. And I heard the Lord's voice speak to me. Do you ever, do you ever just when you're doing something and the Lord speaks to you and it's like, wow. I'm just looking at this, staring at this crack, you know, and Guys have the ability to look at stuff and not be thinking about anything. We can do it. We're good at it. And I was sitting there staring at this crack and I heard this voice say, it can be repaired if it's not from the foundation. If the foundation's secure, then the crack comes from something else be some pressure on the wall it could be water it could be a lot of different things but things that don't or aren't affected by the foundation can be replaced but when the foundation's bad the building's bad can I encourage you about one thing you're built on the most sure foundation that's ever been we're built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets Jesus Christ himself is the chief cornerstone there's not another sure foundation Paul says again in Corinthians be careful on how you build upon the foundation he's talking about our lives whether we're building with gold silver precious stones or wood hay and stubble because he was referencing uh, in Corinth when the when it had been sacked years ago and, and it was just leveled and raised to the ground and then uh, people had come in and built these little wooden huts on these amazing marble foundations. And when a fire went through, it just burnt everything up. But the foundation was secure. And Paul was using that reference to help them understand that, that it doesn't matter if you have a crack in your life 
as long as you're on the foundation. Because whatever is built on the foundation, if you've been building with the wrong material, you can replace it with better material. But you can't replace the foundation. Let me, let me encourage you today. If your life is not perfect, you ever seen cracks in your own life? You ever seen personality quirks or things or attitudes or whatever it may be in your life that you think, oh, I don't like that. I, I'm, I just don't like this in my facade, in the building that I'm trying to, to put up to construct my life. Can I encourage you that it's okay for one, to look at those things and say, it can be fixed because it doesn't have part of the foundation. Whatever is in our lives, whatever has gone awry, whatever we have allowed that we, that we have used to build in our lives, if it's unstable, if it's faulty, if it has a crack, it can be fixed not because of any other reason than we are on the most sure foundation, which is Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you today. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what mistakes you've made. If you know Christ, you can allow the things that have entered into your life to be removed and allow Christ to build your life because we are the church we are the body of Christ we are a group of imperfect people that will never receive perfection in this life but we are there to realize that that the foundation that we are on is secure that the foundation that we are building our lives on no matter what happens we will stand firm because Christ is immovable that you cannot you cannot build on another foundation Would you stand with me? I want to speak to those that, that are walking in, in a relationship with God that, you're, that maybe you have an issue in your life. Maybe you're not listening to the head. Perhaps you get a crack in the structure of your life. It can be fixed. It can be repaired because it has nothing to do with the foundation. No matter what it is, whether it's spiritual, emotional, physical, financial, it does not matter. What matters is that you are built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection. Your eternal life resides in Him, not in us. Allow the Lord to come in the master architect and allow him to do the repairs that are needed in your spirit and say how do you do that 
listen to the head, the master architect, because he has plans for your life to build something amazing that you and I could never achieve on our own. As the body of Christ, as a, as a building on a sure foundation, let's allow him to build us, to develop us, to repair us, to strengthen.